Hey guys, I hope you're having a good day. What is a good day? A good day is one that starts and ends spending time with our wonderful Lord. We're meditating on James chapter 4, verses 4, 5, and 6 today. And here's a statement, there is no way I want to be an enemy of God. You know, James uses some pretty strong language to describe those who choose to love a temporary, wicked world over an eternal, wonderful God. Who wants to be considered an unfaithful, disloyal, cheating adulterer or adulteress? James refuses to belittle the hideousness of unfaithfulness or place it in what today's world would call a gray area. He is as black and white as can be. For instance, he does not examine degrees of disloyalty, but simply states that we choose to be either a humble friend or a proud enemy of God. The line between the two is so clearly marked, you cannot slip in and out of either side. Do you know of anyone who has been unfaithful in his or her marriage by cheating on their spouse and committing adultery? Have you ever tried to imagine the heartbreak and devastation you would feel if your husband or wife left you and ran off with someone else? Sin hurts. Sin grieves. When we sin, we not only break God's commandments, we also break God's heart and the hearts of those we sin against. James asks a sobering and confusing question. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit, or capital S spirit, which God has placed within us is filled with envy? Now, is James talking about the Holy Spirit of God that indwells us at salvation, or the spirit of our own hearts that struggles with pleasing God and pleasing self at the same time? I'm not sure which it is, and there are a host of commentators that are as unsure as I. Let's look at both for a second. If James is referring to that member of the Trinity we call the Holy Spirit, we can look into the Old Testament and be reminded that God is a jealous God. But he is not jealous of us. He is jealous for us. He knows what kind of earthly, temporal, worldly love can creep into our hearts and pull them away from him. He is not hurting for himself, but he grieves for us, for our good. He lovingly reminds us not to love. In other words, he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If any loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now, on the other side, if James is referring to our sin-cursed, selfish spirits that struggle to love God and love others as we should, then if we are honest with ourselves, we almost feel powerless to do right, to live right, and to love right. We are a mess. How, how can we ever rise above our envious hearts to think of God and others more than ourselves? Ready? The next verse gives the answer. God gives more and more and more grace. To whom? To the humble. Those who admit their inadequacies and humbly live in full dependence on God are divinely enabled to live in love like God desires. But if you flip that coin, those who proudly live for self and confidently think they can live without God are headed for trouble. A life controlled by pride is a perfect candidate to be an enemy of God. Now, God will resist or fight against those who resist and fight against him. If you proudly think you can arm wrestle God, get ready for the back of your fist to quickly hit the table. God resists the proud because he loves them. He knows that their pride will be their downfall. He has already seen pride turn a king into a wild beast and an angel into a devil. Now Solomon helps us to look at pride and humility through the eyes of God. God hates haughty eyes. He detests proud hearts. 
Pride causes contention, fighting, quarrels, and leads to destruction. This is Proverbs 6, 16, 13, and 16, 18. A quick look at a full-length mirror often tells us it is time to change clothes. Believers need to look into God's mirror and recognize that the stains, the discolorations, the imperfections that we proudly and blindly wear need to be discarded and replaced with humility. And by the way, I think it's obvious that James and his apostle friend Peter studied the book of Proverbs because in dealing with pride and humility, they both quote Proverbs 3.34. The Lord mocks proud mockers, but gives grace to the humble. Most sins are against God's laws. Pride is against God's sovereignty. God honors simple childlike dependence on him. Pride is an attempt to be independent of God. Those considered a friend of God have something in common. What is it? Humility. Grace and humility are best friends. I like Paul's inadvertent definition of grace from Philippians 2.13. It is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God will divinely enable you both the power, give you the power and the desire to live for him, to live a life that pleases him, to be as close to God as you want to be. Now, don't miss the three-word phrase, know ye not. This is not speaking of being uninformed or ignorant of God's truth, but is alluding to those who ignore God's truth. The word means to consider, think about, to understand. Most of us sin because we do not think. Personally, I do not want be I don't want to be an enemy of God. The best way to become God's enemy is to become the world's what? The friend. Sobering thought, isn't it? Let's pray, Lord, make our greatest desire your friendship and your grace. Hey, our time's up for today. But again, I hope this is all the challenge to you. But remember, today is the day the Lord made. Let's rejoice. Let's be glad in it. And I hope that you have a really, really good day.